Welcome to Puro Politics, the political podcast of the San Antonio Express News. My name is Gilbert Garcia, Metro columnist, and I'm joined by City Hall reporter Joshua Fector. Investigative reporter Brian Chasnoff. It's uh, Monday, March 15th, uh, and uh, we hope you all uh, are adjusting to daylight saving time okay. Um, I know I'm having some problems with it, but um, that happens to me every year. Um, But a few weeks ago, uh, you might remember, we had a couple of people from Fix SAPD, the organization that uh, has an initiative on the May ballot, which would call for a repeal of Chapter 174 of the Texas Local Government Code, which uh, uh, allows uh, police officers to engage in collective bargaining. And uh, it's it's obviously a really contentious issue uh, in the city. And uh, because we had some people from Fix SAPD, Fix SAPD on a few weeks ago, we thought uh, it would be good to have someone with San Antonio Police Officers Association. So we're really glad that we have uh, the president and he's uh, fairly new on the job. But how many, how many weeks has it been now, Danny? Uh, this Danny Diaz, the president of San Antonio Police Officers Association. Has it been maybe about a month and a half or something like that? Is that right? Yeah, this, this starts six weeks, actually. So well, uh, uh, thank it's you. been a short time, but uh, it's been crazy. Thank you for being on the, on the on the podcast, and I guess I wanted to, a lot to talk about, but I wanted to start off by by asking you about this year's collective bargaining process because you know you you um, you're you're coming in at a time with where there's not only the Fix SAPD ballot initiative, but we're in, beginning a new round of collective bargaining. I think we've had four sessions so far, and I just wanted to get your sense. Um, it's early in the process, obviously, but where do you, how do you feel like things are going from the the, the perspective of the police officers? Well, from our standpoint, look, I, I uh, my conversation with Eric Walsh and Maria uh, Via Gomez and Liz Provencio is that we're we're coming to work and we're coming to uh, to bargain in good faith. Um, you know, it's a different time, uh, different people are in place, so it, it would it would uh, it, from our standpoint, it'd be a little easier this time around. Um, but that was our commitment to the city and to city staff. I mean, the, I think the the, the general uh, sense that we've all had is that you know the last time around there were some you know big issues, fiscal issues on uh, you know where, where there was where there was conflict, uh, particularly with when it came to like benefits and so on, and and the the evergreen clause, uh, which was ten years at the time, uh, is eight years now. So is is it fair to say that that the real the real challenging issues that those issues have kind of been resolved in the last round. And now it's really down to, uh, the issues of, you know, how, how the, the city, uh, or the police department deals with officer misconduct and, and, and punishment and those sorts of things. Is that, is that, is that, are those the big, the big areas right now? Yeah, that really is the, the, the area. If, if, if you go back and you look at the last contract, so, you know, one time it was pension, the next time around, we talked about pay. Uh, the following time, or with the last time, it was uh, insurance and, and the evergreen. Uh, this time around, of course, with it, the environment that we're in and everything going on, uh, it, the primary focus is discipline. So that's what we've been uh, sitting down talking to and, and, and trying to figure out uh, some reform. What uh, what elements of reform is the association amenable to at this point, can you say? Well, I mean, there's a lot of things on the table, right? Um, 
uh, I, I will tell you from our standpoint, there there's uh, information that has been put out by uh, FIX, uh, SAPD, and, and some other activists on um, their opinions of what our discipline is. Um, what we're saying is that some of the things that that are being told by them are are, are not true in the sense that that's not the way that the things work. And I'll give you a prime example. Uh, one of them is is a forty eight hour rule. Uh, they're they're walking around telling citizens and anybody that will listen that the forty eight hour rule really is is it gives officers forty eight hours. Uh, to look at the case that's filed against them or complaint that's filed against them. Uh, and, and that's far from the truth. The 48-hour rule is just, it gives officers 48 hours to appear uh, at internal affairs. Um, it, they, uh, it gives them the opportunity to to um, come up, you know, with personal issues like child care. Uh, they do have the right to take uh, a supervisor with them. And being that it's shift work, uh, it just gives them an opportunity to make arrangements to get there. We don't look at anything until we walk into the internal affairs office, and that's the only time that you see it. Well, you know, one of the uh, it, it seems like one of the, the the big issues that you all are, are uh, talking about is the is how to handle the role of of uh, the third party arbitrators and it, their role in dealing with uh, you know officer, officer punishment cases uh, or, or appeals, and uh, to just probably oversimplifying here, but I think that the, um, the city would like to, to, uh, move to a situation where the arbitrators would be able to, uh, rule on, on factual matters, but wouldn't have the power to make, uh, determinations on punishment or whether officers should be reinstated. And, uh, and could you, could you ex- explain why, um, if, if the police officers association believes that it's important to keep things the way they are, where the arbitrator does have the power to decide on reinstatement uh, of police officers, why you think that that's important or a good thing? Well, the, uh, primarily because it's a, it's a third party entity, right? Uh, they, they have no uh, loyalty to either side. Uh, it, it's a, it's an attorney that right now it comes from out of town. Um, they, they have no stock in the city side or, or in the, the association side. So it's a third party that hears it, and, and that's beneficial to, to both sides. Uh, I think what, what's been said and, and what the city wants is just for it to be uh, one-sided and achieve to have the ultimate decision. From our standpoint is like, hey, we're, we're working with, with the chief currently on, on all sorts of things, uh, since I've started uh, this position, um, and, and and that's good. We can work through that. But who knows who's coming next uh, after this chief leaves or retires? And we have someone that um, basically could revert back to the way things were in the past on a brother-in-law system. I'm sorry, but do you think things could get political? I mean, you know, the, I, I know there are instances, particularly we hear it in, in smaller town police departments, sometimes that, that there are instances where uh, a, a chief will make these kinds of decisions based on, you know, political or personal issues. Is that, is that where you all are coming from on this? Is that, is that the. Yes, sir. That's exactly the point. Yeah. Um, it, you know, with the third party entity, we, they don't have that, that, uh, that luxury. Um, so it takes the politics out of it. You know, obviously, you know, the fix SAPD, uh, ballot initiative is hanging over this entire sort of 
negotiation process, something that you haven't had in the past. Uh, you know, have you have you gotten any kind of understanding from from the city of like what would what would happen if Fix SCPD is victorious at the ballot, and what would then happen to the contract negotiations if there's not a contract in place? Well, uh, first off, it's detrimental to both sides, right? Um, if if that's the case and they wind up losing it, then we don't have the opportunity to sit down and work through these these uh, issues from pay, uh, ben- uh, your benefits, insurance, uh, all the way down to maintenance of the vehicles and equipment that we get on the department side. Um, you're also looking at bringing in individuals that want to come to to work here in San Antonio and on this department. If you don't have the opportunity to do that, uh, you know, people are going to look elsewhere to go Dallas, Houston, uh, where they get better paying benefits. Uh, that, that would make it difficult for us to hire um, just to get quality people here. So th- there, there are other issues here. Look, we're, we're, we're all about having to sit down and talking with the city about reform, but to change uh, policies and procedures and, and to take away discovery from officers, um, that, that's detrimental to, to the, this department uh, and the union. Uh, again, uh, but would contract... I'm sorry. Just just a quick point of clarification, Danny. But 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 would the would the contract negotiations just cease um, at this point if if the current negotiations are ongoing um, after the May first election and after uh, you know and should fix SCPD win at the ballot box? So would would negotiations then just cut off completely? Do you have any understanding of of what would happen to the pro- the current process if that was the case? You know, we're going to keep working as if uh, we're going to be victorious, right? Um, uh, this way, we're, we're prepared. Um, but as far as the, the contract is concerned and bargaining, uh, we, we will keep pushing through. If for some reason uh, we wind up losing, um, you know, it, it's all up to the city on what, what, they, what they decide to do and where we go from there. Yeah. Um, because now they've, they've taken the right for us to bargain, right? Obviously. Uh, our contract, this current contract is good through September 30th. So we'll have to sit down and figure out um, what we are going to do with uh, with the city as far as paying benefits and all those other issues. We don't automatically fall to meet and confer. So uh, we could be at, right. at the uh, at the mercy of the city. Well, that, that was what I was going to ask you, because, uh, you know, as you know, fix SAPD, their argument against collective bargaining has been that they they feel that the Police Officers Association has had too much leverage in the process, particularly with the long evergreen clauses, because, you know, the thing if an agreement isn't reached, the the current terms are, are, are frozen in place um, during that period. So they, they've made that argument. And um, if we if we lose collective bargaining in San Antonio, that we would. Uh, if we go to meet and confer, which would basically be a situation where the the city uh, could negotiate but would not be obligated to negotiate, um, could you t- explain like why uh, or what your concerns are about that? Because I mean, the, the people on the other side would would argue and have argued that the other big cities in in Texas, Dallas, Austin, Houston, have a meet and confer system. Um, they've you know, been able to function that way. Uh, what, what do you think the problem would be if San Antonio, if we don't have collective bargaining and we go to a meet and confer process? 
So basically we would fall under uh, the civil service, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so we would get a certain amount of, 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 uh, of rights and benefits, but that'll be totally up to the city and what, what they would want to give us. It's more mandated than it is being able to sit and talk and negotiate about it. Um, look, it's, it's very detrimental. Uh, we, we lose out on a ton of things, pay benefits, longevity, um, the, the assurance that, that, uh, officers are, are taking care of here for a city that they take care of. It's, 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 it's detrimental. And, and what could basically happen is officers could go elsewhere and, and go look for jobs at other cities, which really is, is tough because, you know, it costs about a hundred, hundred plus, a hundred thousand dollars plus to uh, train mm-hmm. an officer to be on this department. Um, you know, that's, that's detrimental because we train them and then we lose them to go to other cities and work where they have a, a better working environment. Um, so we're trying to keep the individuals that we have here. Um, we've, we've got a good package of, of pay and benefits. Um, of course, not the highest paid, but everything put together. Uh, people that love to come here. Uh, it, it would be tough to start hiring individuals when you don't have an agreement in place where we can sit and talk about those things. Um, and just to give you an example, uh, I know we're, we're uh, I'm going to show my age here, but when I came on in 91, mm-hmm. uh, there was 4,500 that were in line to take a test uh, that, that one day to uh, wow. just to start the process. Mm-hmm. Uh, now we're looking at well, 100, 150 mm-hmm. uh, with everything that's been going on across the country. Really, who wants to be a policeman nowadays? Uh, and, and when when the sense is you're not being backed by by your city and, and, and the citizens here, um, it, it's, it's detrimental to, to keeping good people to work. Danny, do you feel like there have been any instances in the past where a third party arbitrator has reinstated an officer who really shouldn't have been brought back to the force? So look, I, I will tell you this, that, that, that first and foremost, let me start with this. Uh, we don't want bad officers here. If, if an officer is doing a criminal act, uh, we, we don't want them here. They make the rest of us look bad. Uh, in my career, I've arrested uh, seven officers, right? Uh, they just they just don't belong. What we're talking about here is, is, is through an arbitrator, is violations of, of procedures through our general manual, um, from anywhere to uh, being tardy uh, to work, to not turning on your body cam on time. Uh, we are not talking about criminal acts here. If it is a criminal act, then then they need to go. On the second part is that you know the arbitrator makes his ruling on on the evidence itself, and it, really, if if he finds that there was excessive uh, suspension on the, on the chief's part, or if there's not enough evidence to um, to to stay with the decision that the chief made, uh, and he feels that it's excessive then uh, that's that's up to him to decide uh, in, in dealing with the facts. So if, if you're asking me if there's one that, that won his arbitration uh, that shouldn't belong here, uh, yeah, I'll tell you there was one, but he never came back to work and wound up losing his job on a second offense. Uh, so he was one of the ones that, that our, our own officers turned him in on both occasions and never came back after that first one. I'm curious which officer you were referring to. Oh, uh, that was uh, uh, Officer Luckhurst. Ah, okay. 
I was, I was actually going to ask you about that. And, and for, for those who are listening, um, you know, uh, officer Luckhurst was, uh, allegedly, uh, gave a feces sandwich to a homeless person in 2016 and uh, he he appealed his firing and was and was reinstated in 2019 and that's what I was going to ask you about that and I, I think you probably already answered the question but I, I was curious I know that the police officers association is 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 put in the role of of representing uh, police officers but just on a personal level are there situations um, where you look at, at, a, at a case like that and just think um either get angry or uh, upset that if you think there's someone who you think is, is making the police department look bad. Sure. Of course, everybody does. Um, you know, situations like that, like, like you mentioned, and like I mentioned earlier, it makes the rest of the officers look bad. Uh, look, we've got a good department and a good crew. Uh, I, I will tell you that, that officers here, you know, we're human we make mistakes too. Um, we just try to minimize those on a daily basis. Uh, but with this individual, our own officers turned him in on on, on what supposedly happened. We, we, mm-hmm. we weren't. Uh, no one ever found a complainant. Uh, the 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 complainant was an administrative complaint when it went through the process, and that was because our officers uh, did turn him in. Um, and then it, the reason why it was uh, found in favor of of, of Officer Luckhurst um, was because of a the mistiming on, on the report, the investigator put on the wrong date uh, mm-hmm. when he was supposed to be at work, he was out injured. Um, so he, he couldn't have been in uniform. He couldn't have been out on the street when this thing happened. Uh, but uh, again, our own officers turned him in on, on two things. Uh, he never came back to work and he was subsequently uh, fired for that second incident. Yeah. Uh, Danny, you, uh, uh, you have accused a fix SAPD uh, during the petition uh, signature gathering process of deceiving people, of, of, of giving people the impression that they were either with SAPD or that they had the support of Police Chief McManus. And uh, for, for the record, Police Chief McManus has, has, has indicated that he, he does support the, the collective bargaining or is, or is, is uh, uh, you know, willing to work through the collective bargaining process. So you've, you've accused fix SAP of, of uh, kind of misrepresenting themselves to, to, um, to the voters as, when they were gathering signatures. Uh, that's something that they have denied. Um, do you have any evidence, uh, solid evidence that this kind of thing has been happening? So what we have were police reports where citizens were calling in, uh, uh complaining about them being, um, uh, I guess a little forceful in the way that they were asking uh, for them to sign the petition. Um, it, it's not everything that we have is just from citizens calling and, and complaining. There were some case numbers that we had put out. There were some still photos that, that uh, we put out from uh, one of the citizens that sent to us. They sent to us uh, to show us what happened. Um, and, and in those conversations with those complainants, uh, they were saying that they were told that they were um, with SAPD and that they were there on behalf of Chief, Chief McManus to get him the power back uh, to to run this department, things like that. But, you know, from our standpoint is, um, you know, the, the chief's never lost any power. He's always had the power to, to suspend, discipline, fire, uh, however he sees fit, uh, the, the officers. 
Uh, it, it's just our, our thing was we were going off of the complainants that called in on these police reports and there was active case numbers. Uh, we didn't just uh, make these things up. You know, we were going by what the complainants were stating. Um, Danny, you, uh, you've also uh, said that the, the Fix SAPD, by, by putting forward this ballot initiative, is, is trying to defund the police. And, you know, they've argued that they're not trying to, you know, strip the police department of funding. They're, uh, they just want to see reform uh, and, and what they, what they think would be a preferable way of dealing with, with officer misconduct. Could you, could you talk about why you, uh, you know, referred to this as, as a, as a form of defunding the police? Well, yeah, that, that's, that's obvious. Look, you're trying to take away the right for, for the officers to sit down and bargain with the city to talk about their pay and benefits. <laughs> so if you're taking that right away, you're taking uh, pay and benefits their livelihood away from them, uh, it, it's a form of defunding. It doesn't mean that uh, that they're taking anything from the city budget or the department's budget. Right. Uh, the way they attacked it was on the other side, which gives us an opportunity to sit and talk about our pay and benefits. It's defunding. You're taking it away. Um, it, it's just a version of it. You know, um, that, that's that was the the point that I was trying to make, and and uh, they're, they're trying to mask it by saying, well, they're not taking. Uh, they're not defunding because they're not taking any money from the budget. Well, it's it's not the uh, police budget that they're attacking. Again, it's the right to be able to sit with the city and bargain about your your uh, pay and benefits. But would would that actually pan out? You know, Dallas and Houston they they both have meet and confer. Uh, they don't have collective bargaining, and yet you know the police budget makes up you know more than a third of their city's general fund. So I mean, what you know, it, it has that hasn't played out in those cities. No, because of the way that they've had it set up and the way it would fall into us, we don't automatically fall into meet and confer. Uh, so we could be at the city's mercy and whatever they decide to give us. Um, uh, again, it goes back to, um, it, look, it goes to this. If we have the opportunity to sit and talk with the city and work through things, this is a process that has worked for 40 years. Right. Why all of a sudden is it such a bad thing uh, because the environment that we're in or because certain individuals think that they know what happens inside the department when they they look, they don't work here. And what I'm finding throughout um, with everybody that I've spoken to from the DA's office to the city manager, to the, the police chief, to our union, there's a, a disconnect and, and a lot of miscommunication. Uh, what, what I'm trying to do is is bring those um, those gaps back together, right? The right hand needs to know what the left hand's doing, and and those are the things that we need to do. If these activists would actually sit and read what our policies and procedures mean, they don't mean the things that they're out publicly stating and that some of the stuff that they're putting out on on their their literature. It, it doesn't mean that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I gave an example of forty eight hour rule. If you actually sit down and read it, it's one long run-on sentence. If 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 you're studying for a promotional exam, from our standpoint, you know you got to cut it in half, and it's it's two parts to it. Um, but it, people are trying to make decisions on on issues where they, look they've never done this job, they don't know what it's like to be on this department. 
um, but they're but they're quick to to come up with their opinion and think that that opinion is the way that it is. We're telling them it's not. Um, it, it's it's a function and and, uh, and a way for for the city and the union to get through all kinds of things, issues, pay benefits, uh, maintenance, equipment, um, and it's worked for forty years. Why are we going to do away with it? Uh, Danny, we, we probably need to wrap things up pretty soon, but I wanted to to uh, have one last question I wanted to, th- uh, to throw you. I guess it's actually like a two-part question. Uh, the New York Times uh, last week had a profile of Ron DeLorde, who's been a longtime uh, police union negotiator. Uh, he he worked uh, with the Police Officers Association on, on the last uh, round of collective bargaining. Um, and, and the, the, the base, the, the gist of the profile was basically that this is someone who is, you know, has worked hard to, to, uh, you know, defend police officers and, but he has, he has, uh, come around, uh, in recent years to the idea that this is, that we need to see police reform and, uh, that he is, he is kind of realizing that we're in kind of in a different time. I guess my first question is, is, is Ron, uh, a part of the, the union's, uh, team this, this time around? Yes, sir. He's our, our, uh, our lead negotiator. Lead negotiator. Okay. And so do you, do you sense that, uh, I mean, as, uh, as he talked about in this, this article, um, you know, he, he's kind of suggested well, that, that he realized that, that, that times have changed and that there, there needs to be more of a consciousness about police reform, just in a general sense. And I know that there are a lot of individual issues to be hammered out, but in a general sense, do you, um, do you sort of also have this this view that we are in a new time and that that Sapoa has to be open to the to the idea that that uh, reform is 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 something is 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 an idea that's whose time has come? Do you do you see it that way? So look, I've said from the very beginning that that reform is here, right? Um, and we're working with the city to work on those reforms. Um, for, for greater accountability. Uh, but we still have to maintain the fundamental rights of workers, right? Uh, we're talking about it, what they're wanting is they're wanting us to choose between social justice and procedural justice for law enforcement, right? For the officers that work for them. Uh, what we're saying is that we can do both, that we can stay at the table, right? And have a dialogue with the city. We can stay at the table and have a dialogue with activists um, you know, with this to to work on these reforms, uh, what what we can't do is is, um, and I'll give you a prime example. You know, I got elected on the seventeenth, and on the twentieth, I had my first Zoom meeting uh, with with uh, some of these activists and with uh, uh, State Representative Gervin Hawkins Hawkins that was a moderator for that, and uh, it, it was just one sided. You have to be able to talk and see both sides. Um, if you're not open to discussion, then nothing's going to get worked out. Um, we're not afraid to sit down and talk about reforms at any point. Uh, right now, the, the 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 individuals that we have in front of us is city staff, their bargaining team, and the city manager, and mm-hmm. that's who we're sitting down communicating with and, and trying to figure this out. Yeah. Well, Danny, thank you so much uh, for for joining us. We really appreciate it, and um, for. Those of you listening, I hope everyone's doing well and we'll be back next week. Take care. Thank you, gentlemen.